Welcome back to another episode of the Weekly Driver Podcast. We're on episode number 186 this week. My name is James Rea. I write an automotive column for Bay Area News Group, and I edit and publish the website, theweeklydriver.com. My co-host, Bruce Aldrich, he's the smarter of the two of us and the more knowledgeable uh, of us, uh, but he is um, off this week. And I'm going to fly solo today, so to speak, drive solo, I should say. And my guest this week is Tim McGrain, and he is the CEO of M1 Concourse uh, in Pontiac, I believe, or is it Bloomfield, Bloomington Hills, Bloomfield Hills? I'm not quite sure. It's on the, the border of two different, three different cities, I believe. Uh, so, Tim, welcome, and thanks for taking the time. We have a lot to talk about, about the, your new job and, and what's going on in uh in your new occupation. So thank you for, for joining us. James, thank you very much. appreciate the opportunity. And, and you are correct. We, we are in the city of Pontiac, uh, but we're right adjacent to uh, Bloomfield Hills on Woodward Avenue. Thank you. Tim, I guess a good launching point would be, uh, without talking about the past too much, but it, I think it's relevant. You, you um, were formerly um, the boss, so to speak, at... Uh, uh, WeatherTech uh, Raceway Laguna Seca. That's one part of the racing world that has a long history uh, on the Monterey Peninsula. And now you're in a whole nother world with uh, an equally rich, if not richer, uh, history of automobiles, racing, and so on and so forth. Could we could we start today with just um, jumping from one part of the world to, to the other, uh, so to speak? Well, let's uh, so let me start with where, where I am now. Yes, so, of course. Uh, the M1 Concourse facility, as I said, is located on on the famed Woodward Avenue that, that goes from downtown Pontiac. Up, I mean, downtown Detroit up to Pontiac. Yes, and, and is designated M1 Michigan Highway One, and I believe it is the the very first paved highway in the country. Wow, and that's where the M1 part of our name came from. Yes, so we are a, an 87 acre automotive complex. Um, we could have a one and a half mile, eleven turn high performance driving track um, that uh, circles its way around uh, two hundred and fifty private garage condos. So we have a bit of a, a private identity and, and a public identity, and we can get into that when we talk about the events. But sure. uh, we opened about just so four and a half years ago. We're getting close to finishing our, our final phase four of private garages uh, that new owners can take over. And uh, we've got some exciting events lined up this year. Gotcha. It, the uh, automotive world, uh, like a lot of other worlds, has changed with uh, COVID and the world's opening up uh, steadily. And I believe I heard through a colleague of yours that you actually attended. Um, I think you've been uh, there since March. Uh, you went to a a cars and coffee event, and it was was that kind of eye opening for you? What was that experience like? Actually going to an event? <laughs> well, I, I'd be very fortunate that over the years, when I was at Laguna Seca, yes, uh, which I was there through the end of 2019, we we, we held cars and coffee events there. Yes. Um, prior to that, uh, when I joined the Black Hawk Museum, we actually sort of launched the program there, and this was going back. Um, you know, when uh, we were looking at working out a way that the museum had, had sort of not shuttered, but, but like in 2008 and 2009, when a lot of things, you know, were scaled back, I was asked if I would return to Black Hawk to sort of reignite it, yes. getting ready for its 25th anniversary. And and we said, well, 
for Carson Coffee, you know, format works. I've been to many of them in Southern California and around the country, and, and we brought it to, to Blackhawk. And um, we started off, and, and we had 89 cars the, the first month, and we would have been happy with 20. Um, and then fast forward, about three years later, we went, we would get you know, 12 to 1400 cars a month during the summer months. We were doing year round. Yes. Um, so sometimes you do get that, be careful what you wish for feeling. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, you know, the cars and coffee format is, is just a great way for communities and people passionate about cars to, to connect. And when I first got here to, to Michigan, uh, there's, you know, there was a couple of small gatherings, obviously in this part of the world, you know, mother nature has their way of sort of shuttering during the winter months. Any, you know, most outdoor activities. Uh, but when the weather allowed it, they, there was a, a number of gatherings around here, which uh, as I get to sort of, uh, you know, become sort of aware, aware of the different sort of cult culture. And so, so I tried to bid it as many as possible. And then this past Saturday, we had our first one yes. of the year. We traditionally started May, uh, but we our May date was still within the state of Michigan's uh, COVID restrictions for large gatherings. And as much as we could have had a thousand people here. We were estimating we were going to have at least a couple of thousand. So we decided to, to pass on doing an event where we could, we'd have to stop, you know, potentially 50% of the people who wanted to come. So this past Saturday, and, and as we expected, we, we had a great turnout. We, we probably had somewhere between 14 and 1500 cars, wow. which given the facility could be accommodated, uh, you know, as comfortably as it can when they just come in. Um, and, and a couple of thousand people, and it was wonderful. I mean, oh, people are definitely a pent-up demand for everybody to get back to what we remember as normal. How do you, uh, well, having a little joke of this and being a, a little bit light about it, uh, was there enough coffee? Oh, yes. <laughs> I, I told our team, and I did this at Blackhawk, we, we had the, the motto we start with, you bring the cars, we bring the coffee. And uh, I, I'm a firm believer that if I'm involved with a group that's doing an event, you don't run out of coffee. Perfect. Um, Thank you. And, and we didn't. Yeah, that's because I've been to them when they run out an hour before the end, and you go, well, "Hold on, what? How does the program working here? Where's the coffee?" <laughs> that's, so. that's great. <laughs> well, I'm glad that was a good experience. Um, I know that also, of course, you have a full uh, calendar of events, and uh, I guess we might as well launch into some of those. Um, first uh, upcoming is in uh, early August, um, August 14th to be exact, and. And it has a, a great name, of course, which is Roadkill Nights. And can you tell me, Tim, a little bit about Roadkill Nights? What's that going to be all about? Well, it's a great name other than I suspect if you work in the risk management department of yes. a company, you yes, probably yes, think yes. you call it what? <laughs> but it's going to be a brand that's got a lot, lot, lot of brand recognition. So uh, the Motor Trend Group have their Roadkill Nights. Uh, Dodge is, is the lead partner. Uh, and it's a combination. So they take over a, s a significant portion of M1 concourse facility yes. for uh, activities. Uh, but they also uh, get the approval to close down you know, one side of Woodward Avenue, which is a, an eight-lane divided carriageway. Uh, and, and get back to the old days, they do drag racing on, uh -huh. actually on Woodward Avenue, which is oh, very popular. I have not attended before. This will be my first one, but certainly have, have been aware of it and seen a number of the videos. So uh, it's great that that's returning. It didn't happen last year like most things, uh, but we get that back on August 14th, as you said. And then um, a week later, you have a Woodward Dream Show, and that's a... Um, that's been around for a long time, as far as I know, and it's a very popular, and um, yeah. uh, all kinds of stuff happens there. So what? Uh, give us an overview of that event. 
So actually, Woodward Dream Show as opposed to Woodward Dream Cruise. So the Dream yes. Show is, is something we're launching this year. We went to oh. launch it last year and again. It, I beg got, your pardon. But the Dream Cruise is, is, the, is the legendary event. That's yes. the one that's been around for many years. Um, and uh, there are 11 uh, cities or communities along Woodward Avenue from Ferndale all the way in the south coming up north to Pontiac uh, that participate in it. I have always been in, in California in August for my involvement with uh, Monterey Concours and uh, I mean, Pebble Beach Concours and the Monterey races. Sure, uh, but certainly very aware of, of the culture of it, and it's going to be it's going to be great to experience it for the first time. So, as much as that is sort of a weekend event, it is my understanding that it builds for about ten days. Oh, great! Um, the quantity of cars cruising Woodward Avenue. Um, it is is sort of like it's like that tsunami effect. It just keeps building and building. So our event, Woodward Dream Show, you know, which, which we're doing on the twentieth and twenty first, the, the Friday and Saturday, and we're looking to create an event at M One Concourse that complements the cruise. Gotcha. So whereas the cruise is very much a moving event, uh, what we're looking to do is provide uh, sort of a, a static event here at the Concourse, but also showcase. What, what's considered sort of legendary or legacy cars, and either because of, of their owner's preference, their value, or their historical nature, you probably wouldn't see them out on the road for the most part. You probably wouldn't see them out on, on, on Woodward Dream Cruise because of the quantity of cars. Yes. So by our event, we provide a, a sort of controlled environment within what we have here at, at M1 Concourse for owners to, to bring cars that they still look to share with enthusiasts, uh, but don't, aren't worried about them being out, you know, on the road with other moving cars. Yes. So, and, and then of the amenities that we're able to offer here that you 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 can't find if you just decide to park and spectate on Woodward Avenue. So we're going to do that Friday and Saturday, different activities, you know, during those two days. But, but certainly a feature display of somewhere between two hundred and two hundred and fifty, you know, legacy or showcase cars. Now they could be legacy in the sense that they were former Riddler winner from the Autorama show, or they could be something contemporary as a sort of a SEMA award winner. Yes. Um, so again, it's, it's past, present, and future is the theme that we run. One of the things I've always uh, liked about automobile collectors, and of course, there are some very high-end cars, which you know, you're familiar with in, in your long history, but I also get a kick out of uh, some of the people, I, I remember a, a woman a few years ago uh, at the um, Concours on the Avenue in Carmel who had the fourth, I believe, Toyota Corolla ever made. And she was as proud of that Toyota Corolla as anybody who had a, a Duesenberg or a Packard or a, you know, a Cord or anything like that. And, and I think that that's one of the real things I like about um, that part of the automotive world is people, uh, the people who are attached to their cars. And I, I don't mean that in any kind of bad way. It's all out of respect. But they can just talk and talk and talk about the history of their cars. It's, it's always interesting. One, one gets to be more uh, interesting than the next. It's just a great thing. And that, kind of t that will tie into your, your show, I'm sure. That's exactly it. And I think, what, obviously, we want to put together a show that, that, that's a great spectacle for attendees. Yes. But we also put together one where, you know, we provide the opportunity for, for sort of cross-generational in interaction. So, you know, you may be younger and have a passion for uh, sort of the, the, the street racer type car that the, the you see a lot today. Yes. Um, or, you know, or then... Uh, 
you know, somebody from, that's interested in the 50s and 60s mm-hmm. or, or even pre-war. Um, and uh, as you know, we're going to have this feature section, but the other section around the track where, where either car enthusiasts, you know, can display their cars, you know, we're not necessarily separating out where the gotcha. Fords are over here and the Chevys are here because we, we want that interaction. We, we, we want a, a cross-section of, of cars um, because we're all passionate about different types of cars, and that's what makes, I think, the whole hobby I- exciting. Yes, absolutely. Um, jumping into the next world on the calendar, um, all, many all of the major automotive shows, much like you know other parts of the world, were were canceled or at least postponed um, during COVID. And now you guys are going to have Motorbella, uh, and that's going to be um, an interesting approach to the Detroit Auto Show. Uh, I would say, and not not a, mean it in any kind of insulting way, more of a uh, Detroit Auto Show light, perhaps. But all, with all the good components of of the show, and and how is that going to be um, handled by you guys? What's what's that going to all be? I know it's hard to condense, but give me an overview of that if you can, Tim. Okay. Well, so firstly, Motorbella event is put on by the the Detroit Auto Dealers Association, who are yes. the organization that put on the Detroit Auto Show. Yes. Uh, for many years, they, obviously it, it went dark in 2019 or 20. Excuse me, yes. and uh, they didn't want to go sort of dark two years in a row. Yes. They had already explored this Motorbella concept, and I think it was for their high-end brands, predominantly the British luxury brands and the Italian luxury brands, to create a different experience for for people interested in those cars that traditionally wouldn't go, wouldn't go to what what did we know as a major auto show format. Yes. So they'd already planned a, a Motorbella a concept uh, when it looked like they were going to go dark two years in a row, and they also were aware of the M1 facility. They, they looked at doing, you know, supersizing sort of the Motorbella platform, um, bringing a cross section of brands, you know, here. Um, and it's, I think it's going to be a bridge to, I think that the tagline is Motorbella, a bridge to the future. Gotcha. So uh, as they explore, because the, like a lot of business models, they're, they're going through a transition. Yes. So whether it's been, man, you know, it, it, COVID has impacted the business model, you know, or it's just, it's just things that you change. If you're not changing, you're going backwards. So I think they were looking at. We are extremely fortunate that M1 Concourse is the host platform or the host venue yes. for Motorbella. We're excited uh, both for the people that are going to be here, the awareness that it's going to bring, um, and uh, uh, the, you know, there's lots of opportunities there. We're obviously extremely excited also to be working with the, the Detroit Auto Dealers Association and all the manufacturers and suppliers that are going to be participating. I, I forgot to mention, of course, that event will be held September 21st uh, through 26th. Is that inclusive of any sort of media days, or is there also a, a media day or two for that as well? No, so over the six-day period, my understanding that they've got two of the days are industry-slash-press media days, mm-hmm. and then the other four are public access days. Okay, great. Um, moving on, Tim, uh, and, and by the way, I, I have to say, let me, let me uh, reiterate that we're um, on the Weekly Driver podcast, and I'm the host for today, uh, James Rea. My colleague, Bruce Aldrich, is, is away for the week, and uh, we have on as our guest, Tim McGrain, who is the CEO of M1 Concourse, and uh, they, like other, other auto, automotive facilities and racetracks around the country, everybody is just... Um, very enthusiastic and, and more excited than normal because we can kind of sort of get back to normal and 
and uh, you know appreciate all the things that we all appreciate about the motorsports world, whether it's a racetrack or uh, an auto show or cars and coffee. It's just good to be back uh, in that world. I think I can speak for you and everybody else. I'm I'm pretty excited myself, so I'm sure you feel the same way. No, absolutely. We just recently we had the the Detroit Grand Prix uh, held at Belle Isle, and, and yes. that was um, one of the the, the early events uh, here in the state of Michigan that w- was open uh, for public access. It was it was great to you know to be able to you know see cars back on track in person, and and that was uh, that had a good attendance uh, this past weekend. And, you know the the Indy Circuit went over to to Road America. It looked like they had a great turnout there. Um, it, it, it it's, it's great to see that you know that. Um, you know, now we, we can all go out there again, still, you know, being cautious, I, I, you know, this thing hasn't entirely disappeared. Yes. But, uh, I think we all generally feel that we're all heading in the right direction. And now we all need to get our, our respective biz- businesses, you know, back up to speed. Yes, uh, absolutely. And, uh, then moving on to the number four on the calendar, you, uh, the, um, Motorsports Hall of Fame of America inductions, and that's September 27th to 29th. Uh, have those, pardon me for not knowing, but have those uh, been announced in terms of who the inductees are, or is that still secret? No, they, they have been announced. So, so let me. So that's the kickoff to what is sort of almost a, a week long of activity. Yes, so yes. The following weekend after Motorbella is our American Speed Festival, which is it's our new and going to be our flagship event. Yes, uh, that's a sort of a, a, a three day event here at M One. Is actually a, an opening day activity. So. Uh, and then one on the Friday and Saturday, we, we have on-track time trials. So yes. we're not a, a, a competition track in the sense that the wheel-to-wheel racing, uh, but what we're doing is is, is speed trials. Uh, so we can have a cross-section of cars, again, both historical and contemporary, but they can go out there and, and do time trials. So in some cases, they'll do demonstration runs, um, depending upon the owner's preference or, or, the, or the car. Yes. Um, so we have that on the Sunday. We have a big... Uh, so all the competition cars will be, be part of, a, of an exhibition, and we have a number of other classes being added. So Sunday's a big sort of show day uh, for, for brief description. So that's three days leading into that, the Thursday of the first day of our American Speed Festival. We actually have a, a, a dine and drive tour. So in the morning, um, a group of about 75 cars, I think we've 75 entries accepted, that tour will, the group will tour. They'll go out to uh, the Brighton area of the greater Detroit area where Ken Ligenfelder um, has his collection. And they'll yes. get a private tour of, of Ken's collection. Uh, then they'll leave there, go over to uh, the Automotive Hall of Fame in Dearborn, uh, which is adjacent to the Henry Ford. They'll have lunch at the Automotive Hall of Fame and then go over to the Henry Ford and get a behind-the-scenes tour of, of some of the archives at the Henry Ford and also a, a curated tour of the new uh, Driven to Win uh, exhibit that's at the Henry Ford about, uh, you know, the sort of the, the history of motor racing, uh, which is a wonderful exhibit. I was there this, this past weekend you know, while I was over there for a big event. So so that's our, our four-day of American Speed Festival. Kicking off the week, we're, we're fortunate this year that the um, Motorsports Hall of Fame out of, of America, which is located at Daytona Speedway, yes, um, have, have elected to or decided to bring uh, both their 2020 inductee gala and their 2021 inductee gala to m1 concourse and our brand new event center which will open up just that week Gosh. so they've got two black tie dinners planned the monday and the wednesday mm-hmm. um you know each each the uh, and the, the hall of fame 
didn't want to combine both events. They wanted to make sure that each year, even though it wasn't, it was, it was from, from last year, that each year had, had their, their, their recognition. So the Monday will be the, the inductees of the, the 2020 um, Hall of Fame witness and then the Wednesday. So that, that's a great kickoff what is going to be a sort of a week-long uh, of activities. The, the inductees have been announced. It's on the uh, Motorsports Hall of Fame of America website. Uh, there's a, a, a couple of, uh, of posthumous entries, Baby uh, yes. Allison being one of them. Um, the motorcycle rider they refer to as the Kentucky Kid, Dickie Hayden. Oh yes, uh, which when I was at Luna Seca, we were always proud. We had the big '69 Stars and Stripes on the on the hill. I met him um, a few Dickie times. The, oh man, yeah, yeah he won the MotoGP at Laguna Seca. Yes, um, I, I for since my school days, I've had a long passion for the world of land speed uh, record racing, especially the early years. Um, and John Cobb is is one of the the, the inductees, but the, some other exciting ones. Um, Rick Hendrick, uh, the, the, the great endurance driver, Jackie X. I think they're, they're still going through who's going to be able to attend in person. Again, we still got, um, I want to say travel challenges, but they're still working that out. But two exciting events to kick off our American Speed Festival week. Boy, you're looking at this uh, calendar in front of me that um, Matt was nice enough to forward. Uh, beginning on August 14th, there's a few d- down days, but those are you know, uh, you have to do a lot of prep. You have to do all kinds of different things. So basically from, not that you're not busy now, but from August 14th through October 3rd, there's not much downtime in that in that calendar, in that long calendar. If I had the spare time, I'd be out there from the 27th of September through October 3rd. I think it would just be uh, nirvana for anybody who's a, a motorsports enthusiast. It just sounds fantastic. Well, we're excited about it. Um, yes, it's going to be a busy time, um, but we're also, it's great that we have the opportunity, you know, to be busy, to host these events, um, certainly to build on, um, you know, what we're doing here at M1 Concourse, um, you know, part of, you know, now that the private garages, uh, the, the final phase is, is being completed or close to being completed. Um, the, the signature event format is something that we're going to, to, to look at and, your first year events, you know, they, they have their, and, and also we're looking at a crowded calendar. So sure. not only have we got two first year events, but you know, for most people, we've got, a, you know, people are trying to squeeze a year's worth of events into six months. Yes. So we've got some overlapping events, but, um, you know, we'll start, we'll create uh, unique experiences at our events and, and then we'll build, uh, build from there. Gotcha. I think uh, this is a little bit of, of, away from your facility, but you've been around uh, automobiles and the automotive industry for a very long time. I'm, I'm curious, uh, one is a personal question and, and one is an industry question. Reading lately about uh, the inability to get new cars uh, with um, computer parts not available or sitting in, on ships somewhere, uh, the increase in used cars and trucks has gone through the roof in the last maybe few months now. And I wondered if you had an opinion about that. But I also wanted to find out personally, um, uh, I always ask guests uh, what kind of automobiles they've had or have. So could we start with your some of your thoughts on the automotive industry? What Do you have a take on uh, where we are in this ever fluctuating automobile industry at large? Well, you know, obviously it sort of makes the, the headlines and news ongoing about the sort of the, the worldwide shortage of computer chips, which has affected not only the automobile industry, but nearly every other industry that's got some type of, of electronic gadget in it. Yes. Um, and in, in, in the last few weeks with our planning with Motorbella and 
having close communication with a lot of the major dealers in this marketplace, um, they, they are certainly sort of strained for new cars yes. at, at a time when everybody wants to buy one. That's right. Uh, That's obviously right. Driven, driven the secondary car market uh, sky high, which, which um, I don't know how long it's going to last. It's great. I think there's maybe some cars of, uh, are having a second life that maybe would have been passed over. Yes. So that there's always good. Um, you know, it, it's, you know, if you, if you take sort of the, the, the classic car world, you know, there's that, that sort of 10 or 20 year cycle where, you know, a car becomes a new car, then it goes through, it's a used car, and then it gets discarded, uh, unless it's something special. And then all of a sudden it gets this sort of second life. Yes, uh, yes. You see cars on the road now that at, at the time some of the manufacturers couldn't give away. <laughs> uh, you know, they have this sort of certain following. Yes. And then this, and then this part of what is great to see, because obviously the weather isn't the kindest. It's not like on the West Coast um, where, you know, the, the weather is certainly a plus. Um, you know, here you, you're making a concerted effort to that. Yes. So it's, it's wonderful to sort of see that um, sort of, you know, opportunity for other cars uh, to sort of stay on the road. Um, again, that, that being said, we've, we've got this, you know, uh, sort of challenge where, um, you know, the, the sort of a, you know, government is, 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 is trying to strangle, you know, the, the secondary car market. And I know that the SEMA organization is, is working very hard at trying to make sure that, you know, the classic car world, you know, doesn't get sort of strangled by regulations. Yes. Um, certainly the environment is, is, is we all are important, uh, but there's also a balance between making sure what we do right for the environment, but, but we don't make the whole, um, you know, classic car world or motor racing world um, sort of disappear because of, of regulation. I was uh, talking with actually, you know, Jamie Meyer, who heads up the PRI show in Indianapolis, the performance racing industry show. He yes. was at our cars and coffee on Sunday, a Saturday, and we were talking about that. Um, you know, it's it's important that we have those organisations to help um, sort of, uh, you know, protect the the, the future of, of a, a hobby to a lot of us, but also an industry to many. Yeah, that's right. Um, on a personal note, I know your background, where you're from, it, it triggered a thought when you, I had a chance to um, drive uh, within the last six months uh, a couple of Rolls-Royce uh, automobiles, and one of the guys I was talking to said that there was a time in, in England where some of the old Rolls-Royces and um, other vehicles were uh, almost giveaways, uh, and that's a shame, but now... Uh, whether it's a new Rolls or an older Rolls, and maybe in some of the other uh, manufacturers, they've they've had this second life that, um, as you mentioned, I hadn't thought about it as a second life, but it's a perfect description. Uh, that it, I'm a, I'm a classic car guy, so I, I think it's great that these you see not not so much with Rolls, you don't see that many to begin with, but uh, it's just great that the classic cars are having this um, resurgence, if you will, for for a very odd reason, including. Um, Ford F-150 pickup trucks are now going for three and four times what they were when they were brand new. It's it's just a phenomenon that's that's all very interesting. It, it, it is, and whether that's sort of road use vehicles, I uh, I always get distracted whenever you know either Barrett Jackson or me cover on the television. You know, you just put it on in the background. Having spent a lot of time in the classic car auction world, it it it, it it's somewhat you know I just have to sort of see and. and you know, there's, um, you know, amazing, you know, some of the, the, the prices are paid for cars. I think two cars I remember from over the weekend, it was a, um, looked to be a, a, a spectacular, um, you know, Shelby GT 350. Yes. Uh, so 350 or 5. Anyway, um, that, that 
you know, probably didn't get quite the recognition price wise that it should. I was still very respectable. Yes. Um, but then you had a, a, a K5 Blazer uh, that was, um, you know, was, uh, um, with, with all the aftermarket pods, I think got more money. I mean, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. It, it's, it's, it's certainly, you know, we all like different things, which is great. Sure. Uh, there's certainly a generational. I mean, I, I like pre-war cars. I like a lot of cars, but I have a great respect and love for, for pre-war cars. And in the pre-war category, you can get the spectacular, you know, custom boot, uh, body cars. Um, and then you can get some, and, and I'll be the first to admit there, there's, you know, there's there's some British pre-war cars that they're best described as homely looking. Yes. Um, but you, you get a lot of car for for the money. Yes. For what they go for now. Now uh, the driving experience is is, is very much hands on. You know, you don't ride in those things. You, you you're in there, and uh, it's got your attention all the time. And uh, um, I, I hope the opportunity for the the, the the generations moving forward go back and still look at some of those you know whether it's pre-war or sort of post-war sort of the, the the vintage veteran or antique cars because you know they're a lot of fun um and, and certainly for the most part are affordable um, yes well i and, and i want to touch also on, on a personal note do you mind if i ask um what you drive as a daily driver and and do you have a garage full of cars have you gone through a few in your in your life and and <laughs> what, do, what do you have or have had what do you or maybe you no. regret selling one i'm not sure yeah no i don't have a garage full of cars i've been extremely fortunate over the years to sort of be um sort of responsible or or the sort of the, the person in charge of some spectacular collections so yes i've been very pleased to to sort of very fortunate to to, to take care of some of the you know great classic car collections sort of in the world. I, I've got a, it's still in, in Scottsdale, Arizona. It, it has, it's one of the, the few remaining things uh, that I've got to sort of get over here to Michigan, but I've got a, uh, a Jaguar Vandam Pla. I'm, oh. I'm a big sedan person. I like big sedans. So, so that, that, that's sitting in the garage in, in Scottsdale waiting to make its trip over here. Yes. Uh, right at the moment, we have, we have a relationship with, with two manufacturers. We have a relationship with Lexus for our performance fleet cars and also the Dodge brand. Yes. And uh, I'm fortunate to drive a, a, a Lexus on a daily basis here. Great. Um, so they do some great cars. Yes, I, I get to drive some of those too. I, I've never driven a Lexus that I didn't uh, I didn't like. They're all they're all yeah. great. Um well, that's a that's a good so place. Which, I, have, I have to ask you, which of the which Rolls Royce models were you able to drive recently? I had the Ghost, uh, uh, not too, not too recently, not too um, yeah. far back, and um, now I'm blanking on the uh, um, the other one. That's uh, the Wraith, a Wraith as well. The Wraith. Yeah, okay. and uh, yeah. you know, I just mesmerized by um, the craftsmanship, and you know, I think um, the both of those cars got such unbelievable reaction. And I don't mean to have the podcast about me, but it takes about 30 seconds. A friend and I were getting a, a bite to eat on the, at the corner old style deli. And there was a man and his son in, in line. And um, this young boy, maybe 15 or 16 was talking to his father and we could hear his father say, well, go ask the men about the car. So the young boy uh, came up to us and said, excuse me, sir, uh, what kind of job do I have to get to get that car? You know, just out of the mouths of babes. It was just a beautiful little innocent um, thing. And in the same day, Tim, I was at an intersection and there were some other people uh, in the in the side uh, next to me. And they were, um, I don't know quite how to say it. They, they, they were offering these kind of hand gestures that I'm unfamiliar with. 
Um, and, 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 and they weren't derogatory. They were all positive, like, yeah. like uh, homie and, and you're my man kind of stuff. I don't even know how to explain it. But they were equally excited about, you know, looking at the roles. Uh, and they, they gave me all these thumbs up and some other kinds of gyrations. And I didn't, like I said, I didn't know what they were, but I knew that they were positive. And so it went in the same day, it went from the innocence of this young teenage boy to these other guys from another part of the world who were just equally <laughs> admiring that car. It was just, it was just beautiful. So I, I've had a chance in the last six months to, to take a few of them out, to take two of them out. And, and yeah. uh, they're, they're just, they're just wonderful. They're, they're artwork on wheels, right? It's just fantastic. They, they they do make wonderful arts. I've, obviously, a lot of it's my heritage driven, but but uh, you know, along with, with Aston Martin and the Bentley, the Rolls Royce cars are oh yes, um, a, a spectacular. The new ones, Re- regrettably, they, they they don't make a model. They don't accommodate the, the the price range doesn't accommodate Tim McGrain. But I'd be I'd be quite comfortable in, in a big Rolls Royce on a daily basis. Yeah, but, I, I'm, um, they do they do make spectacular cars. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm just another. Uh working journalist and so it's definitely out of my uh, price range too but um it was a treat to drive them so hey tim yeah. i i, I want to thank you go ahead uh-huh no i was going to say so so one car that i do have yes please and it wasn't the original one i had and, and i say car it's actually a, a, a pedal car mm-hmm. um uh, it's when i was five my parents bought me an austin j40 pedal car oh. um, and they were they were great they took a couple of pictures of me sitting at it and i had my you know, my blazer and my school cap on and looking all very serious. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then uh, at six, I, I was sent off to boarding school and, and the pedal car went, went somewhere on to its next life. Um, but I've always, it, it, kept, it would look around to, to, to find one and they're either um, sort of rusting hulks somewhere or used to be, um, or they're completely restored and, and, you know, priced, you know, out of something that technically is going to be a credential holder. Yes. Um, uh, and then on, on top of that, the, the Goodwood Revival event yes. during the lunchtime session instituted the, the, the child's pedal car race down the street. So that just put further awareness of the, of the Austin J40 model, which was actually built by the Austin the car company. It was a program that they had, and I suspect it was supported by the British government. Uh, but they created these factories uh, where they would rehabilitate Welsh miners that suffered from, from black lung. Oh, my gosh. Um, so, so they made two different models. The J40 being the the, the, the most notable of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and a number of years ago, actually, it was when I was at Blackhawk Museum. Um, uh, my my wife had, had previously found actually a friend of ours in the Seattle area had two of them, and and she bought the unrestored one. So it was original condition, and uh, very similar in the color blue that that I had, and uh, and it got delivered to the museum. Um, so so that takes pride of place in the, in the, in our front room, um, and I've got a. Uh, we got a two-year-old granddaughter. I, I suspect she's going to be the the, the the first person that's actually going to fit in that in a couple of years. Or oh, that's so. fantastic! But, um, yeah, a friend has a uh, uh, a Bentley uh, pedal car too that a, that a friend made, and he has hold he doesn't have the history with it that you had um, in in your life, but you know he has greatest um, great admiration for that car and, and the guy who who made it. Those are I, I know yeah. some of the auctions. Just in brief, some of the auctions those. Those vehicles, um, boy, talk about uh, prices going up. They, they, they're really uh, skyrocketed. So I'm sure that you can uh, maybe support your granddaughter at the time. <laughs> if you ever, 
<laughs> Not that you need to. We, I think you get my point. They're quite no, valuable. I, I, I have a feeling. I, I haven't asked. I have a feeling. My wife probably paid as much for the pedal car as maybe I paid for my first three full-size cars. There you go. We'll just leave that one alone. I like your. I never met your wife, but I like her. She sounds great. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Tim, it's been it's been a great half hour or so. Thank you so much. We want to just to reiterate that. Um, you guys have a lot going on, uh, particularly in light of the, the loosened and um, restrictions of, of COVID. And of course, you pay attention to what's going on there when people do arrive. I'm sure you'll have their guidelines and so forth. But boy, if you're whether you're in the area or you're not in the area and you want to go, I was looking at the website. What a facility you guys have! It just looks so beautiful on some of the images on the on the website and, and all the different events that are going on. It just sounds like a great season for you guys. So. Thank you very much for, for being the guest, our guest on the Weekly Driver Podcast. We very much appreciate uh, Tim McGrain, the CEO of M1 Concourse. Um, thanks again, Tim, for the time. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Shane, thank you. I appreciate the opportunity to share our news with your listeners. Okay, cheers. Thanks. Bye now.